0: Management.
1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck.
0: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in today. I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to cover this episode. We're going to be talking about what it means to be a climate resilient city, and while we talk about climate change very often on Go Green Radio. Sometimes we talk about it in terms of a global issue or even a a national issue but the fact is that as the climate changes and as we have to adapt to some of these changes, it's going to happen city by city, neighborhood by neighborhood and local governments are really going to be bearing the brunt of a lot of the climate change adaptations that will need to be made in order for human beings to continue to thrive. And the city of Long Beach has done something really, really special, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. In his 2015 State of the City Address, Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia announced that he wanted to make Long Beach a model of climate resilience, and he asked the Aquarium of the Pacific to develop a report to find out what parts of the city would be most vulnerable, most threatened by climate change, um, and to to come up with some recommendations about what the city could do to address those threats. And I'm so pleased today, uh, the first two segments of our show um, will be joined by the president of the Aquarium of the Pacific, Dr. Jerry Schubel, and we'll be talking about this report. And I, I think it's something that I'm hoping cities across the nation and across the world will replicate. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Dr. Schubel. I'm so glad to have you on the show.
2: Well, I'm delighted to be with you, Jill.
0: Well, before we dive into the details of the report that the Aquarium of the Pacific has prepared for the city of Long Beach, tell us why the mayor asked the aquarium to compile this report. I mean, what assets do you have at the Aquarium of the Pacific that make it the right choice for a report on the city's climate resiliency?
2: Well, first of all, let me underscore, I think you made a very important point when you said that local governments are on the front lines when it comes to adaptation. Mm-hmm. And there's an important distinction to be made between mitigation of climate change and adaptation to climate change. Mitigation is a global effort we don't uh, it requires reducing the forces that drive climate change that is the emission of greenhouse gases. But adaptation is something that takes place primarily at the local level and why did he choose the aquarium? Well, we have a reputation for bringing experts together to convene and facilitate discussions around important issues and to identify and explore alternative ways of dealing with those issues. So I think that's why he turned to us.
0: That makes perfect sense, and I saw on the report that you had quite uh, an impressive list of, of scientists and experts who were working with you on the report, um, but let's talk about what it means to be a climate-resilient city. Help us to get our heads around that term.
2: Okay. A climate-resilient city is generally considered to be a city that is able to continue to function, in the face of challenging circumstances due to climate change, and one that can recover quickly from disruptions. And those disruptions might come from extreme weather-related events that are also associated with climate change. And there are different dimensions of resilience. First of all, there's the leadership and strategy. You have to have the processes in place that allow effective leadership to continue. You have to have the infrastructure and the environment that can continue to provide critical services to all of the residents. You have to have the economy and the society, so you need the social and the financial systems that enable the citizens, the residents, to live peacefully and to act collectively. And finally, you have to have all of the health and well-being in place so that everyone that's living and working in a city has access to what they need to survive and indeed to thrive.
0: Mhm. And it's not hard to look in our short-term history to see where cities who have been hit by extreme weather conditions had some real problems with resiliency. And so um, I, I applaud the city of Long Beach for looking forward and forecasting what might be some of the vulnerabilities in the city and planning ahead. Now, the report mentions, and I quote, that there are numerous diagnostic and forecasting tools that are currently being developed for Los Angeles County to better understand the current and future risks facing the LA area as a result of climate change. And I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about those tools and how those tools will help leaders make critical decisions um, regarding adapting to climate change.
2: All right. We're fortunate in the Los Angeles region to have uh, an abundance of tools. We have the Los Angeles Regional Collaborative for Climate Action. We have Climate Resolve. We have the USC Grant Program. We have the U.S. Geological Survey's COSMOS, that is Coastal Storm Modeling System. We have NOAA's Digital Coast. We have NOAA's Sea Level Rise Viewer. So we have lots of tools. The challenge is to pick the right mix of tools. And then to apply them, and then to see are you missing some tools, and if you are, how do you develop or find those tools to add them to the toolkit? Mm-hmm. So it's it's picking the right tools and applying them.
0: That sounds like an incredible challenge. Um, and when you were developing this report uh, with the uh, you know the experts that you gathered at the Aquarium of the Pacific. Um, Were there assessments made of these tools or, uh, you know, guidance that you could offer to the city of Long Beach about how to proceed uh, in the, you know, in the method of, of finding the right tools and using the right tools, or what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yes, we tried to provide some guidance. First of all, we identified that there were certain aspects of climate change that Long Beach was most vulnerable to, and they included drought, extreme heat, sea level rise in coastal flooding, deteriorating air quality, and public health and social vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So in each of those cases, we looked at the data, the information for the greater Los Angeles area, how much of it was relevant to Long Beach, and we looked at the tools that one could use to forecast how these, how these uh, effects would change over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, as you mentioned, the report does identify five primary threats of climate change to Long Beach. And the first one that you mentioned is drought. I think people are beginning to understand that, you know, overall global warming means that there's more evaporation happening over the oceans and that that can cause more moisture in the air. And people are are starting to understand how that could create extreme weather conditions and events. Um... But how does that account for drought? Help us understand that connection between climate change and drought.
2: Well, okay. First of all, what you said is correct. But when you also when you change the the, you warm the ocean differentially, you increase the rates of evaporation in those areas where it warms the most. So you begin to change the large scale atmospheric circulation, and in particular to change the polar jet streams. And in the northern hemisphere, the polar jet stream has shifted north. It has slowed down, and it has weakened. And so in general, the wet areas on the globe get wetter, and the dry areas get drier. And we are in one of those dry areas, and and as you know, we're into our fifth year Mm -hmm. of an extreme drought, And climate change suggests that the frequency, intensity, and duration of droughts in the future will probably increase. Other areas will get greater precipitation. So farther north, we may get more precipitation uh, in northern California, Oregon, and Washington. But it's driven by these large-scale atmospheric processes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, tell us how drought will specifically impact the city of Long Beach. I mean, of course, all over California, we're already experiencing some drought, but if that drought should last longer, if it should be more intense than what we've experienced already, what is the city doing currently to mitigate the impact of drought?
2: Well, the city's very fortunate. We have quite quite a remarkable water department, and so they've been ahead of the, this game, and uh, in conserving water. And you have to remember that in Southern California, we import about 70% of the water that we use. 50% Mm -hmm. comes from the north in the Delta region of California, and about 20% comes from the Colorado. And all of the climate models suggest that those imports will both go down with continued climate change. So we have to figure out how we can be less reliant on imports. Long Beach is somewhat less reliant on imports than much of Southern California, but we still depend upon them a lot. The greatest change or the greatest opportunity for conservation is to convert lawns to drought-tolerant vegetation because in the homes, vegetation, landscaping, Uh, Water outside the home accounts for about 75% of all the water use. And Long Beach has been a leader in a program to convert lawns to drought-tolerant vegetation. But we still, we've only converted about 3% of the uh, lawns, uh, that is, of of individual dwellings to drought-tolerant vegetation. So we have lots of additional opportunity to do it. We also could do more on capturing rainfall and getting it into the groundwater. So I think there's no shortage of opportunities.
0: Absolutely. And and I want to talk to you, and we'll, we're going to take a quick commercial break in just a moment. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, being on the coast. Um, you're right on the ocean. A lot of folks in California are starting to talk about desalination. And I want to ask you that question when we come back um, from this quick commercial break. So don't go away, folks. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this.
1: World. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation
3: starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss.
0: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just tuning in, our guest today is Dr. Jerry Schubel, and he's the president of the Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach, California. The Aquarium has just finished and released a report about how the city of Long Beach can become more climate resilient as we look to the future and the various aspects of climate change and how it will impact their community. The aquarium has brought together experts and scientists from many different backgrounds to, to put together this report for the city. And when we were just about ready to take a commercial break, we were talking about how drought is one of the primary threats of climate change to long beach and specifically how the city might, uh, might adapt to climate, to this particular aspect of climate change, which is drought. And I wanted to ask you, Dr. Schubel, is anybody talking about desalination plants in the Long Beach region?
2: Well, in Carlsbad, south of Long Beach, they recently opened the largest ocean desalination plant in the Western Hemisphere. And they have proposed building a similar plant uh, just north of there in Huntington Beach, Long Beach was a leader, actually, in in doing some experimental work on ocean desalination, and they decided that the cost was too high and that they could meet the the needs of the Long Beach area uh, without doing ocean desal. I think ocean desal in the future will become a part of the portfolio of sources. It's not the first option that we should look to, maybe not the second option, But it's very clear that in California, the demand for water has gone up so much because of our population growth and the growth of our agricultural economy. So in addition to conserving water, I think we have to look at ways to increase the sources of water.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because in the last segment, you know, you mentioned that about 70% of the water in Southern California is imported. And, you know, I live in Northern California where some of that water comes, you know, to you all from us. Um, and at the time that it was built, you know, this was back in the 60s and, and even in the 50s, the California State Water Project was such an engineering marvel. Um, but during this prolonged drought, a lot of communities, even my own, which is very near to the Delta, um we're getting 0% of our water from the California State Water Project now. And a lot of communities are realizing that they can't you know, depend upon water from the state like they once could. Do you predict that more communities like your own in Long Beach will invest in infrastructure to become more water self reliant or maybe build water storage that uh, would keep some of the storm water from running off into the ocean? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think that yes, many communities are going to look to become more self reliant for all the reasons that you have mentioned, and it will be different options in different areas. In some cases, it will be desalination. In other cases, it may be capturing the wastewater that we now discharge to the ocean, which is about a billion gallons a day in Southern California, treating that, putting it back into the groundwater. It may also be capturing some of the stormwater that right now runs off into the ocean because we don't have ways of capturing and storing it. So I think there are lots of options, and the the best portfolio will depend upon the particular situation of the community you live in. Mm-hmm. But the, the State Water Project was quite of a, a, a engineering marvel, and, and uh, California, like many places in the world, has the challenge that the people aren't where the water is. And right. so we have figured out amazing ways to move water around um in, in the state of California and in other parts of the world. But that's getting more and more challenging to do.
0: Mm-hmm. And it And it requires a lot of energy as well. And, you know, there was a time when, not too long ago, before we were in drought, that a you know, a decent percentage, maybe 17, 18% of our state's energy came from hydroelectric. Well, when, you know, what's behind those dams is so low that you can't get that much electricity from the dams, you know, we are, we are in an energy crunch as well. And there's a nexus between water and energy that exists that makes moving water with the energy requirement that that takes even more difficult. Um, and so you know, it's, it's a real conundrum. And I think that when cities are looking at being more self-reliant and, and re- resilient on their own, um, you know, that's that's a great step to take. Of course, it'll always mean, you know, where does the money come from? But it, I think it's going to be something that every community is probably already considering, given that we are in the fifth year of drought here in, in California. You know, the next threat of climate change to long beach that you identified in the report is extreme heat and i know you know you're you're there on the ocean and in some parts of the city probably get a great ocean breeze but in other parts of the city extreme heat could really be dangerous to some vulnerable members of the community and i know that long beach does have some cooling centers i always worry about you know what if the electricity goes out and you can't run the air conditioning, you know, in those cooling centers. But what other measures can the city take to help relieve the suffering of vulnerable citizens during a very hot weather streak?
2: Okay. Before I answer, let me just add one footnote to what you said about the nexus of water and energy. Sure. The other part of that is food, water, energy, and food. Yes. And California faces these issues in spades, but these are global issues, and, I, and we think this is a great opportunity for California to show how to deal with these issues. We think it not only would save us water and money, but some of the technologies and strategies that would be developed would be imported to other states and other countries. Now, back back to heat waves. So heat kills more people than earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, and, and Long Beach is fortunate because, as you say, we, we are on the ocean. Heat, the extreme heat, hot days, those are days when the temperature is over 95 degrees. And we don't have very many of those right now. And depending upon how well we mitigate climate change, the number of hot days by 2100 could increase anywhere between 3 and 10 times. That, that is a lot, even though mm-hmm. it's nothing compared to some of the cities in California farther away from the coast. And, and the difficulty is it affects most the, the poor, the elderly, and the very young, and we have to give, give them ways of, of coping with it. Many people in Long Beach and coastal California don't have air conditioning. Many of them don't even have fans. So cooling centers are very important. Planting trees is another important part of this program. Um, on the other hand, trees like like water, so you have to be careful what trees you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right that if we have power failures, then what good is the cooling center? Well, In some of these, like the Aquarium of the Pacific, we have backup generators because if we lose power, unless we can have an alternate source of power, we could lose all of our animals. That's So right. there are ways to cope you can ha- and also you can have white roofs to uh, reduce the heat island effect from being in cities. I think all of these are things that we can and should start planning for now because mm-hmm. the climate is going to continue to warm and we it, these are not things that we should wait until the last minute. We should do begin to take actions now.
0: Mhm. Absolutely. And I'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about one of the most pressing threats to Long Beach and all coastal cities, of course, and that's sea level rise. Um, And naturally, that can cause flooding. Talk to us about how sea level rise will impact Long Beach and what can be done to mitigate that threat.
2: Okay, so sea level is rising for two reasons. First of all, when you heat any fluid, it expands. The ocean is no exception. So as the ocean warms, it expands, it rises. The other part is that as we warm the earth, we're melting more uh, continental ice and glaciers, et cetera. That meltwater goes to the ocean, and that causes sea level to rise. And right now, those two are about 50-50. As we go forward, the amount of new water will continue to add to that. But right now, sea level is rising a few millimeters a year. Sea level rise causes permanent inundation, and we need to worry about it, but we have some time to plan. Coastal flooding is an immediate threat, and we have coastal flooding now. And with an El Nino, it's a wonderful opportunity to look into the future Mm -hmm. because the amount of sea level rise associated with El Nino is worth about 25 years of average sea level rise. So now you superimpose a king tide or a severe storm on top of the higher standard sea level from an El Nino, you're getting a glimpse of what things are going to be like 25 or so years into the future. Mm. And we, we have to look at how, what are the ways of dealing with this. And again, I think it depends upon timescale. If, if sea level, in all likelihood, will continue to rise for decades and, and well beyond this century, no matter what we do in terms of mitigating climate change. But that means probably over the longer term, many low-lying coastal areas are areas from which we need to retreat. But there are also engineering solutions that buy time, that protect personal property, that protect personal lives. And I think anybody who tells you there's one answer to this doesn't understand the complexity of the issues. Again, it's a portfolio of strategies, and it depends upon where you live, what the population is, how much has been invested in infrastructure, how costly it would be to move, and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that's one of the big questions that I have. You know, I mean, when cities like Long Beach are putting together these types of reports, trying to be proactive to protect critical infrastructure from sea level rise, where will they find the funding to do that? I mean, we know that when a disaster strikes... Uh, communities can be eligible for state or federal funding, but you know, in the absence of an all out disaster, if cities are just trying to do the right thing before disaster strikes, where do they find the assistance?
2: Well, it's, it's interesting, I think, that historically we usually find money to deal with disasters, and um, we may have to wait before we have a major disaster before we decide to reallocate funding to deal with this, but it's going to have to come from a combination of local, state, and federal resources. And and over the next um, few decades, we're going to, as a nation, have to examine our priorities. And over a third of our uh, gross domestic product is in the coastal area. 50% of the people live in the coastal area. And so protecting it and making that investment, I think, will be Compelling.
0: I hope so. And I know that there are a lot of folks who, you know, are, are putting together studies. I know that even, you know, Michael Bloomberg and um, Henry Paulson have put together a think tank about, you know, Trying to come up with some numbers, uh, making the business case for getting out ahead of climate adaptation in cities across America. and uh, and I'm hoping that that will raise the attention of voters enough so that when their local leaders and when their state and federal leaders are talking about making investments of public dollars into infrastructure upgrades and into, you know, climate adaptation, that there will be, popular support for that. Um, you yes. know, one I, of the
2: things I think we need are some success stories. And one of the things about Long Beach is it, it's a city about the right size. It's small enough to be manageable, but large enough to have a national impact. And I think we have enough examples, including the Water Department, Long Beach Transit, the Port of Long Beach, who are already doing a really good job, that Long Beach could become this model that the mayor asked for.
0: Well, and I think you've played a huge role in that, Dr. Shubal. And I want to thank you for joining us on Go Green Radio, and thank you for the work that you did to create this climate resiliency um, report for the City of Long Beach. It's my hope that our listeners will uh, will check it out and recommend similar action on the part of their local communities. We're going to go to commercial here in just a moment, folks. But don't go away. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this.
1: your world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com.
3: Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious
1: about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein.
0: Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. And just in case you've only now tuned in, let me catch you up. Our topic today is what does it mean to be a climate resilient city? And the city of Long Beach is getting out in front of that question. And they have asked the Aquarium of the Pacific, one of their local scientific resources, to create a report that would help the city of Long Beach to identify those areas of the community that are most under threat to climate change and to give some recommendations about what the city can do in order to proactively prepare to keep its citizens thriving, keep its citizens healthy, keep its economy going even as climate changes and causes the community to change in some respects. Now, during our first two segments, we had the president of the aquarium, Dr. Jerry Schubel on with us. And during these second two segments, we're going to have the assistant city manager, Tom Modica, Um, he's going to be with us, and we'll be talking about some of the other aspects of the report that Dr. Schubel uh, and I did not cover, um, and we'll be talking about what the city is doing to get ready for climate change and how, how Long Beach might become a model to other cities in the U.S. and around the world in terms of getting ready to, uh, to face climate change. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Tom. I'm really glad that you could join us today.
4: Well, thank you so much for having us. We're excited as well
0: well I'm really proud of what you guys have accomplished with this report and I'm anxious to hear how the city uh, intends to adopt some of the recommendations one of the threats that was identified by the report uh, in terms of you know a climate change related threat to the community is deteriorating deteriorating air quality and I'd like for you to talk to us about you know how climate change impacts air quality and and what you're concerns are for Long Beach in that regard.
4: Well, um, first of all, the report was really a helpful item uh, that our Aquarium of the Pacific put together. Uh, sustainability has been a long-term goal and mission of the city of Long Beach. Uh, we were one of the first cities in the nation to create a sustainability action plan. We created that back in 2010. Uh, we have a sustainability office. We have a, a sustainability commission. Our mayor and city council are very, very committed to the concept of sustainability. And uh, you know, we have put that plan together, and it's adopted, and we've been working on it, and what the aquarium of the pacific did that was really helpful uh, based on the request of the mayor this year or last year excuse me uh, was really to help put a, a focus on it to what are all the things that we have been doing as a city and what are some of the things that we need to think about as we continue to evolve and continue to create a sustainable city and really uh, work on climate change and sea level rise and all the different components that fall underneath that umbrella
0: mm-hmm and, and that is phenomenally forward-thinking, um, to have local leaders leading the charge and really spearheading this versus waiting for, you know, something to f- funnel down from the federal government is really inspiring. Now, when it comes to, you know, some of the human health impacts of climate-related poor air quality, um, where, you know, maybe what areas or what populations in Long Beach might be most vulnerable in that regard?
4: Absolutely, uh, we do have uh, populations that are right next to good m- movement corridors. Um, if uh, just to provide a little bit of history, Long Beach has been a port town for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. We started as a port way back in our early history, but it really started in the 1960s with the containerization of cargo. Is that we saw a huge, tremendous growth in uh, goods movement as an industry here in Long Beach, and for a long time, it really was what Long Beach was about was about uh, the naval shipyard and about uh, uh, moving containers and goods movement. At at the same time we're a residential community we have about 470,000 people in Long Beach uh we are the seventh largest city in California uh, and we're a fairly large sized city if you were to put us anywhere else in the United States and most of the states we would be the largest in terms of population and so we do have a lot of residents living uh right next to and uh and sometimes you know almost on top of some of our um, goods movement corridors and so we do have uh sensitive populations that are right near that and Right around two thousand four, two thousand five, it really came to a head uh where uh it was clear that uh there was gonna be increasing amounts of cargo. Um the air was uh was in, in the entire LA basin, there was air quality issues and the air was uh, becoming really of a concern, of a health concern. And so our mayor and city council at the time worked with the Port of Harbor commissioners and created what's called our um clean air action plan and our green port policy. Uh really is a model for um across the nation. Uh we are we are actually in a, almost in our tenth year of uh, the Greenport plan, and mm-hmm. the results have really been tremendous. Over the last 10 years, from 2005 to 2014, diesel particulate matter, which is the uh, little tiny pieces of uh, diesel particulate that come out of you know trucks and trains and, and a lot of the equipment powered by diesels, has dropped 85%. We've dropped wow. nitrogen oxides by 50%. We've dropped sulfur oxides by 97%. And we've dropped greenhouse gases by 21%. And in all of that, our our container terminal or our container movement, what we call our uh, TEUs, or 28-foot equivalent units, has actually increased uh, by 2%. So, um, you know, we were able to achieve a tremendous amount of reduction in some of the air quality impacts to our residents in the area, while also uh, making sure that commerce uh, continues at the Port of Long Beach.
0: Wow, Tom, that that is really fantastic. I mean, you know, and I know there are a lot of people who are listeners of Go Green Radio who live in or near port cities, and that... That is really an inspiring story. I know, um, you know, I live very near the Port of Oakland and there are very vulnerable uh, residents, you know, to the air quality issues there. And boy, what a model you've created in Long Beach. That's fantastic. I know that the report that the aquarium put together for you also identified some other public health and social vulnerabilities um, that would be climate change related. And I think it's so important to talk about this because. Oftentimes when people talk about climate change, you know, they talk about the Earth's systems that will be disrupted by climate change. But, you know, in reality, even the Pope was talking about this. There's going to be a great deal of human suffering and hardship that local communities will need to deal with as the climate changes. So talk to us about the report's findings regarding public health and social vulnerability and what Long Beach might be able to do to mitigate this climate change threat. So
4: one of the things that uh, Dr. Schubel is very good at pointing out to us is uh, talking about the idea of mitigation and also talking about the idea of adaptation. And in a lot of cases, climate change is occurring, and uh, there are certain things that we can do to try to mitigate uh, and slow the rate of increase, and those are things that we talked about at the Port of Long Beach uh, in terms of actually changing our emissions profile. Uh, But we're also going to have to adapt. Uh, There's going to have to be changes that we as a city and we as a a populace uh, do in order to adapt to uh, what is going to happen and, and what science is telling us is happening. Uh, a very good example of that is number of heat days. Uh, Long Beach is a coastal city. Uh, our infrastructure was really created to be a coastal city. Uh, we have um, areas of, of high wealth that have lots of access to air conditioners and those types of things. So we also have areas of, uh, that don't have nearly as many resources and don't have access to cooling centers or areas where they can get cool in the summer. Uh, and we're seeing more and more uh, days where we have to uh, provide that as a city uh, we actually have cooling centers when the, uh, we have a health officer and when the temperature gets to a certain humidity level and a certain uh, heat index and certain temperature, we actually open certain facilities to allow people to come in, especially vulnerable populations, seniors uh, in particular, to come in and get some relief. And so uh, part of the report is showing that we have to plan for those types of impacts of climate change. A lot of us uh, don't tend to think of that, but there are daily impacts of climate change that are coming that we're going to have to adapt for uh, and, and work with our community on
0: mm-hmm. now you know because you are right there on the coast and and we talked a little bit about this with dr. Schubel, but i'd like to talk with you know with you not from less of a scientific standpoint, but more of a city planning standpoint, when you talk about sea level rise, you know, and coastal flooding, what are some of the vulnerable infrastructure pieces that your city depends upon? I don't know, maybe you have, you know, whether it's uh, uh, water treatment plants or, or transportation, you know, of course, your port, but also electricity lines. What, what critical infrastructure might be impacted by sea level rise in Long Beach?
4: So that's a great question. Uh, it actually is very varied. So we in the port, um, we really are about infrastructure. The whole port of Long Beach is about infrastructure. It's about providing the ability to get uh, cargo off of ships and onto uh, onto our mobility elements that get us to get the, that cargo where it needs to go. Uh, so the port of Long Beach is really looking, and they've um, you know they've done a great job of planning ahead and really seeing you know for various levels of sea level rise, what kind of changes are we going to have to do to our infrastructure to make sure that that continues. Uh, on the city side, uh, it, it really varies. There are areas of, of very wide beaches in Long Beach and we have some areas that are on cliffs where we haven't really developed below the cliffs, but we've got other areas. Uh, we have a peninsula in Long Beach, uh, which is built right up onto the ocean. And it was, you know, when those houses were built many, many years ago, uh, we have a breakwater in place uh, and the beach was much larger and there really wasn't thought, um, you know, when those, were, when those homes were created that they may be at risk for, for sea level rise. Uh, we also, have a lot of the uh, amenities that people come down to the beach to enjoy. Our parking lots, our lifeguard areas, uh, the parks, the places that people come to enjoy the beach uh, eventually could be underwater or under sea level rise. And, uh, and we also have homes fronting the bay. And um, a lot of people don't think about that, but water can go into the bay and can potentially come up uh, in- into neighborhoods that really, you know, from their perspective, aren't anywhere close to the ocean or they can't see the ocean, uh, but they may be affected by sea level rise as well uh, over the next hundred years.
0: Mm-hmm. I know that uh, in the San Francisco area and in the New York City area, even some communities in Florida, they're starting to look at things like, um, you know, their electricity transmission lines, railroad lines that move goods, um, and some of these, uh, you know, uh, and wastewater treatment plants, my goodness, um, you know, that are very near to where um, sea level rise could have an impact on these types of infrastructure and the the prospect of moving or um, Relocating some of that infrastructure is just sort of overwhelming. When the city of Long Beach looks at, you know, protecting its infrastructure or making some of these proactive moves to get ready for climate change, what are your funding sources? Where are you looking for, um, you know, resources in order to be proactive and get ready before, you know, some disaster, you know, causes you to have to, to rebuild? Yeah
4: and that really is the tough question and it's not just uh something focused or that Long Beach is facing every coastal community is going to be facing that uh the uh the amount of resources it would take really under a 100 year scenario uh, are tremendous and i don't think any agency is is ready and prepared for that uh nor i think should we be uh, in a 100 years you know we do have time to plan uh we do have critical needs that we have to take care of on a daily basis but we also can't forget to be planning for that uh so really what we're focused on right now is identifying identifying those threats identifying what the p- potential impacts could be we've been working with cosmos uh, which is the tool that uh, the USGS has put together uh, and they are really um, giving us some great data about what kind of possibilities could happen in a hundred year storm event uh, and at various various levels of sea level rise and so our next big step is to put together a plan that identifies what potential sea li- level rise impacts are going to be in Long Beach what are those critical infrastructures and allow us to start planning for that and it is going to take resources, and we're going to have to really think uh, about what are the various funding sources and what do you do? Uh, at what level do you do mitigation? At what level do you do adaptation? Uh, adaptation, for example, is we could have homes as they get started to be built could all be built on higher foundations and, and could be raised. Uh, that's a way to um, to adapt. Uh, another one is to you know not have you know not you know build. Um, anything future in that area, but rather retreat and move back from the coastal areas. And in some cases, you're going to have critical infrastructure that can't move, Then you're going to have to figure out a way to address that. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are all things that we'll be looking at.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we're going to be taking a quick commercial break, but when we come back, Tom, I, I want to know uh, if you have any other cities that you're looking at um, as models, anybody that, that you think is doing a great job. And I'd also like to talk to you about outside agencies and other organizations um, that either are or could use an example like yours to spread your uh Example of creating a report like this uh, to other cities across the U.S. So, folks, don't go away. There's much more Go Green Radio right after this.
1: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about
3: environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves.
0: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. In case you've just tuned in, our guest right now is the Assistant City Manager of Long Beach, California, Tom Modica. And we're talking about a report that the city has put together um, to address this issue of being a climate resilient city, identifying threats uh, to the city and various populations of the city as the climate changes and how the city can prepare to ensure that its citizens remain healthy, remain vibrant and that their society and their economy continue to thrive, even under uh, climate duress. Now, Tom, I'm wondering, I know Long Beach is really quite the model in in creating a report like this, you know being proactive. Um, how do you think other cities could replicate the process that you undertook in order to compile a report like this for their city? what What would you recommend?
4: So we really support those types of concepts is, you know, we haven't created anything particularly special here. I mean, we're very proud of our efforts, but um, to get to where we are, we've actually looked at other cities at what they've done. And and climate change is such a huge um, topic that there are so many ways to address certain aspects of climate change that uh, we really look to borrow from other cities. And so, and find those models that work for us. And we encourage other cities to do that for us as well. So we're completely open to sharing whatever we have and strategies that we have. Uh, I'll give a couple examples. Uh, we are really a really city that's really big into bikes, uh, and we've looked all over the nation at different types of bike infrastructure. We've looked at bike infrastructure in Portland. We've looked at it in Seattle. We've looked at it in, um, in Copenhagen, uh, and we've really tried to take the best parts of what works for our city, um, that we see some of those best practices in other cities, and move them in here. And uh, some people may say, well, you know, what do bikes have to do with greenhouse gas emissions? And in our mind, it has a lot to do with it. Uh, the more that you you can be a bikeable city, a walkable city, uh, in our case, even a swimmable city uh, where we get people out into the ocean and and to swim. That all uh, relates to livability, and it also helps with greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, We're planning for the future here. We want to make sure that the um, roads that we're building now are all going to be complete streets, that we're going to be putting in bicycle lanes, that we're going to give people other options to get around rather than a car. That's all going to help us as we put together our greenhouse gas emissions inventory and we start to plan on how we can reduce that inventory into the future.
0: And that's fantastic. You know, sometimes cities and, you know, individuals, even neighborhoods, look at climate change mitigation and they think, oh, that's just too big. You know, I mean, you know, when we're talking about CO2 emissions, you know, and the global impact of CO2 emissions, what could our little community possibly do to have an impact on that? But the fact is, even if your CO2 levels are relatively small compared to, you know, the global CO2 inventory, it does make a difference globally. Every every little bit counts but not only that when you're doing things to reduce carbon emissions there are other emissions that come out of you know a tailpipe or come out of a, an energy plant or what have you so when you're doing things like biking or walking or taking public transportation it's not just about the global co2 emissions inventory that you're reducing you're also reducing other uh, you know, ozone and other, you know, emissions that can be noxious and 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 troubling for your own community. So, that's a great example of, of one way to, to knock off not only some climate mitigation, but adaptation as well. Um, do you have any cities in particular um, across the nation or across the world that you think, you know, boy, uh, we really want to emulate what they're doing? They're doing a great job of preparing for climate change change
4: Oh, there are so many cities that you can look at. Uh, you know, we've looked uh, at Portland, we've looked at Seattle, we've looked at San Francisco. As I mentioned, we even look at European cities as, as at what they're doing. Copenhagen is a big one for uh, kind of uh, complete streets, and and if you look at how they get around in Copenhagen, it really isn't the traditional model that we think of in any great American city. Uh, it really has to do with mass transit and with bike and with biking. Um, we've also, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the things that's identified in the report uh, is water and water cons is going to be a huge issue for cities, especially in California. Uh, we're in a historic drought right now. And one of the cities that we've looked at, uh, Santa Monica, has done uh, a, a stormwater recycling plant. And they've had it in place for many years. Uh, we're actually looking at, to take that to the next level. Uh, we are at the end of two rivers. We have a tremendous amount of stormwater challenges uh, in that all the cities above upstream from us have their stormwater come to us. We're looking at a way to turn that into a benefit, to find a way to uh, create a brand-new facility, that would capture water coming from the L.A. River. Uh, it would help us with our requirements to clean up the L.A. River. And then we'd like to take that water and actually use it for irrigation on the side of the town that we uh, don't have any reclaimed water right now. So we see that as a win-win. That's taking a concept from another city and a technology that already exists and bringing it up to the next level and putting it to new uses.
0: Very smart. Very, very smart. Now, are there larger organizations that Long Beach is a part of, like like the U.S. Conference of Mayors or the League of California Cities, that are helping to support local governments as they grapple with this looming impact of climate change? Or do you feel like the Lone Ranger kind of doing it on your own?
4: There are several out there that really are helping. Um, and if cities are interested in, in partnering with them, they would love to have you. Uh, it Really, um, any city can can join those efforts. Uh, there are different levels. Not every city is going to be able to have a sustainability officer. Uh, some are just getting started, and some are probably even ahead of us. And so uh, the U.S. Conference of Mayors is a great one. Uh, we've worked with the U.S. Conference of Mayors for a long time. Our mayor, Mayor Garcia, just recently uh, signed up for the Compact of Mayors, uh, which is uh, kind of a a, a group of cities that are all planning and committing to uh, sustainability and to um, climate change, and uh, with that comes a commitment to start doing an inventory of your greenhouse gas emissions and to start talking about what you're going to do and, and set some goals for yourself about how uh, how you as a city is going to are going to react uh, to what you very very accurately described as is, is an international problem. Uh, one city by itself is not going to be able to make much of a difference in terms of climate action um, change. Uh, globally, but if we all do our part together and we're working together and sharing best practices uh, together, we can set examples for others and and, uh, put ourselves on the right path.
0: Let me ask you something about the citizens of Long Beach. I mean, it takes some political will to go forward like your mayor has um, and to, to courageously get in front of some of these climate change uh, situations. In the minute that we have left, talk to us about the kind of support that the community has given him and given to you all as you, as you address these climate change issues.
4: We have such a tremendous community that's supportive of this concept. Our mayor and council have just been really out front for the last at least 10 years talking about sustainability and our community really responds to that. They've been leading the charge uh, but really it takes individual efforts. Uh, I'll give you an example. In water conservation, uh, we are a city that now has grown by over 100,000 since the 1970s. We use less water per capita than we did in the 1970s. Uh, actually, less water overall, not per capita. So we use less water today with 100 thousand people more than we did in the 1970s. And that's just, that's behavior. That's our community really embracing the concept of water conservation. Uh, Biking, as we do innovative things to change our streets, uh, they are very understanding. We do have some, of course, that, you know, prefer auto or cars over uh, bicyclists, and that's completely fine. Everyone has a choice to make, but as a community, uh, they are very supportive of uh, transit, of trying different things, of allowing the city to be innovative and creative, and we couldn't thank them more Uh, for that.
0: That's fantastic. Tom, thanks for being on with us on Go Green Radio. Really appreciate what you and the city of Long Beach are all collaborating to do to make the community resilient in the face of climate change for your citizens. Excellent work. Folks, we'll be here same time, same place uh, next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.